Please stand by. Good afternoon again. Uh, today we're going to start a new, a new, a new uh, part of the series on living in digital Babylon. Um, we've talked about uh, when the church, uh, uh, living in Babylon in the church, and uh, what we do as a church. But now we're going to talk about another book that Erwin Lutzer wrote. And like I said, I got to give them credit. These aren't my ideas, but the Lord has enabled me to to put them together in a format that I think will help people understand. Because most people aren't going to read 20 books to understand this. I happen to that just happened to fall uh, in what I'm supposed to be doing. But it's called "When a Nation Forgets God," uh, and uh, it's a very challenging book, as you can see. Uh, I, I, well, whether you can see it or not, anyway. Um, when a Nation Forgets God by Erwin Lutzer, I, I challenge you to get it. Now, one of the things we want to do is I want to give you the context of this book. While it's distressing to see the direction that our country is taking, most important to bear in mind is how will the people of God respond? How do we respond to what's going on? To become ang- Now, listen to this. This, this. this speaks to me. This is where when the Lord spoke to me about starting this class, he made the comment, this isn't going to turn out like you think because most of the stuff's pointed at me. To become angry, vindictive, and filled with self-pity is not what God expects of us. Uh, it is disingenuous when political opponents call those who simply disagree with them Nazis or Hitler. Uh, the atrocities committed by the Nazis are in a class by themselves and such labels are out of place in our political dialogue. I'm not calling anybody in our government Nazi, but a lot of the things that are happening are Nazi-like, and we need to understand it. Whether they like it or not, it's true, and that's what we're going to look at. Nazism did not arise in a vacuum. Uh, There were cultural streams that made it possible for this ideology to emerge and gain a wide acceptance by the popular culture. Okay, So understand that... These things don't grow uh, by themselves. There's a vacuum, a culture dish, a Petri dish that they grow in. And that's how if you take, a, take the COVID virus and you put it in a Petri dish, pretty soon you've got a lot of COVID virus because it's the right environment for it. Now, some of the streams and myths accepted by the masses are in evidence in America today. We'll talk about a couple of those. There were circumstances and widely accepted ideas that enabled the population to become part of of what he calls a synergistic evil that was greater than any one individual. Now, the showers and gas ovens were the result of certain political and religious trends that made the horrors possible. The the showers and the murders of these uh, millions of innocent people was the end result of the philosophy that got them there. And so... Uh, we want to look at that. Are there any tendencies to those things happening in America today? And I believe you'll find that there is. Uh, while America will not gas millions of people, the same values that destroyed Germany are being taught in many of our centers of learning today. Now get this. Think about this. The same values that destroyed Germany in World War II are being taught in many of our centers of learning today. Our freedoms are being eroded And as such, we shall see that we are being betrayed by the elite 
uh, those who should be guarding our liberties are bowing to cultural currents that will, barring a miracle, eventually destroy us. The true cross of Jesus is being opposed by little gods, embodied by the states, embodied by the states, and they come dressed in the garb of Caesar. In the end, they're committed to crushing religious freedom. Now, think about this. Right now, uh, I was just reading uh, yesterday where in one location, I, I don't remember the exact state. There's been so much of this stuff that's come on. But one location, uh, the, 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 it was, I think it was in an airline, the people were promised religious exemptions because there was a lot of people that honestly believed because of the, the use of, of aborted fetuses and stuff in developing these vaccines. And regardless of what the... And this is the other thing. The media will say, no, no, that didn't happen. This isn't it. You're, you're conspiracy theorists. Well, we find out when whistleblowers come out that they were, and they actually release emails that show how they try to hide these things from us because it wouldn't be acceptable to most of the public. So uh, what we find out is uh, Caesar uh, comes out and makes mandates and starts telling you what you will and won't do. Uh, a lot of these things that are being mandated by the government remind me of the enabling laws in 1935 uh, when Hitler and Goering stood out and said, this is what will happen. People can't do this. They can do that. They can't do this. They can't do that. So forth and so on. And so they just took a class of people and they separated them from the rest of the people. Um, Our liberties are bowing to culture, to culture. Pardon me, not cultural. Our liberties are bowing to cultural currents that will be uh, a miracle if we don't get destroyed by them. The true cross of Christ is being opposed by gods embodied by the state. So just remember that. Now, if we go on to there today, the cultural pressures are forcing us to combine Christ with other religions or to combine Christ with a political agenda. The experience in Nazi Germany reminds us that Christ must always stand alone. Um, uh, Hitler and Bormann both made this statement. Martin Bormann was Hitler's uh, right-hand guy. And Hitler himself said that uh, only one of the two, uh, Christianity or Nazism, can stand. They can't stand together. One God must fall. That's, that was Borman's uh, comment, that, that one God must fall. So they understood that, and they knew exactly what they were doing when they brought out the laws that they passed, just like these laws that are being passed today, and by Congress and other people that are pushing them out, are saying that we know what we're doing, and you can't, you cannot. There's no religious thing. you got to do this, you got to do that. This is wrong. And if you don't do this, you're going to lose your job. You can't do this. And it sounds suspiciously like a lot of people say uh, where the Bible talks about the, the mark of the beast and you can't buy things and sell things until you uh, do things. It would be interesting to see if the Greek said, when he was talking about that, if it says mandate in there. But I, I don't know. That may not be the truth. But anyway, um, whether it's Nazism, Marxism, or secularism, the state is always in conflict with religious freedom. The more power the state has, the more laws it will pass under the rubric of freedom to diminish the role of the church. I want to say that again. 
The state is always in conflict with the free, religious freedom, and the more power the state has, the more laws under the rubric of freedom it will pass to diminish the rules, uh, the role of the, of the church. George Orwell in Animal Farm spoke of when he said, they will define slavery as freedom and suppression as the question of equality and fairness. Sound familiar? Uh, there are ominous signs that the freedoms we once assumed were ours are disappearing. Secularism leads to totalitarianism. State actions to which everyone is expected to bow the knee. You can see that going on right now with these mandates. Um, not only do the mandates not make sense, if you're protected and they work and you got a booster and you're doubled, why are you afraid of somebody that doesn't have it if you're protected? That this, these are the answers, that, the questions that they won't give you answers to because there's no, no, there's no logical answer to them. Um, this journey will require us to make tough decisions for Jesus Christ, forcing us to re-examine what we already know to be true and what we think to be true. Um, I was telling uh, John uh, earlier today uh, a song by Kim Walker Smith called I Know. I was listening to it yesterday. It's a great song. And um, the first line says, I know nothing is impossible. And then it says, I know every chain is breakable. But when I heard it, it was like the Lord quick mirror says, everything is breakable. In other words, the systems and, the, and we really have to understand that what we see around us in the government systems, the, the things that are going on on earth, the, the building, everything that we thought was, was solid growing up is breakable. And it's breaking before our very eyes. And to come to that realization, to get a revelation that everything is on sand, if Jesus Christ isn't at the foot of it, or the foundation of it, is brutal. That's a brutal thing to realize when you look and see everything crashing around you and the things that you thought you could stand on, you could no longer stand on. So, not good. Now, Hitler did not mind if others continued to attend church if it did not affect the way they lived or the values that they held. Now, uh, you can see that in September of 2017 when Amy Coney Barrett was sitting before the the, the Congressional Inquisition about her becoming a Supreme Court Justice and, and um, Diane Feinstein questioned her about her Catholic beliefs and she made this comment, uh, the dogma lives loudly in you and that's a concern. The dogma lives loudly in you and that's a concern. So in other words, if you're believing God and you're a, and you're a believer and you stand on your truth and you, and you live your principles, that's a concern. We can't have you in the court of the public arena because you might make decisions that stand for what God does. We certainly can't have that happen. Now, Hitler explicitly said that he would not interfere with church doctrine if it was in harmony with the good of the German people. This he called positive Christianity. And guess who decided what was good for the German people? It wasn't the church, it was Hitler. Uh, Martin Niemöller crashed with Hitler in, in one of the epic conflicts that got Niemöller ended up in prison over uh, was when they, they, they had a, a meeting and Hitler was, was railing on them 
about, he says, you take care of the church, I'll take care of the German pe- people. And, and Niemöller, to his ever credit, this man was, a, this man was not afraid to, to, to fight. He, he was a Nazi at first until he realized what they were doing. Then he went full bore against Hitler. And he's a, he's a, a combat veteran from World War I, a submariner, and, and, and just a, a, a true hero, a German war hero. Um, stood to Hitler to his face and said, you said you're going to take care of the German people, but we have a responsibility to the German people that was given to us by God that no one can take away from us, even you. And Hitler didn't respond to him. He just turned around and walked off. And then the next night, the Gestapo uh, ransacked his place. And then a couple of days later, a bomb went off in his place. And, of course, he ended up in jail because he stood up against him. Um, from the very beginning, Hitler sought to marginalize the church to guarantee that no Christian influence would be allowed to inform governmental policy. That was his goal. And, and, and Jerry Nadler, famously the, the, the head of, this, of the uh, House Judiciary Committee, when one uh, young man was down there telling uh, about what the Lord says, Nadler got up and told everyone, it's of no, uh, let's see, how did he say it? It's of no concern to this Congress what some religion thinks about. So, in other words, what God, what you say God has doesn't, doesn't concern this Congress because we're not concerned about God. And the God that they are concerned about is not the one that's in the Bible. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, churches must be forbidden from interfering with temporal matters. The state would have to be scrubbed clean of all Christian values and, and convictions. That was Hitler's goal. That's what he was trying to accomplish. And it sounds awfully a lot like what's going on today. Holidays were reinterpreted. Christian was turned in, Christmas was turned into a pagan holiday called Yuletide. Easter was turned into a, a holiday that celebrated the arrival of spring. Crucifixes were eliminated from the classrooms. Most churches acquiesced to the government demand supporting positive Christianity. Hitler was willing to... Uh, give the church freedom if their freedom did not do anything subversive to the state. And guess who decided what was subversive to the state? Article 24 of the Nazi platform demanded liberty for all religious denominations in the state so as not to be a danger to the moral feelings of the German race. Um, Just read the party platforms for the Democrats and Republicans. Read what they say they want to do. So as a platform, that's what they stand on. Go read what they say and cut through the flowery language and see what the, what the end result is. Now, holidays were reinterpreted. Hitler assured that what he was doing was best for Germany. Of course, what he said was best for Germany was best defined by him. Allegiance to God is best determined by allegiance to the state. Now, one wonders if they would take Romans 13.1... Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So that would mean that we would be required to do what Hitler said to do, because he was a legally established thing. Even though he was a crook, it was legally established. A lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of similarities about what's happened here. Now, let's go on. The German uh, German church witnessed 
to the saving grace of Christ, but believed the church's mission was only to preach Christ. Stay private and completely stay out of state affairs. This enabled the church to do whatever it wanted with little or no influence to the church. That's where the, the, the seven mountain ministry, the seven mountain mandate, uh, Johnny Unlow and, um, and, and Bill Bright and Lance Wallnow. Lance Wallnow has written uh, a great uh, DVD series about it, Sheep and Goat Nations. And then um, uh, Johnny Enlow has written several books about this. It's something you need to understand how the church should influence our government. Uh, Hitler pressured the church to save their chi- to have their children indoctrinated in state schools. And since the church was not teaching its members to resist, they had no idea how to fight the Nazi steamroller. Since the church today has only been concerned about saving souls and not the society as a whole, then what's happened is, is we go back to the 1970s, the rapture mentality, Let's get them saved and get them into heaven and we've done our job. When that's not our job. Our job is to disciple nations. Now we're working through this and so bear with me as, as, as we move on. Hitler pressured the church to have their children indoctrinated in state schools. And since the church was not teaching its members to resist, they had no idea how to fight the Nazi steamroller. Um, the, one of the issues that we've got to find out about children in state schools is that there's quite a movement, especially in California, where a, a lot of the most bizarre rules and laws are coming out that, that you, can sh- you can't believe. Uh, a lot of these rules and laws that are coming out are designed uh, to keep our kids out of church's hands. Uh, there's some places, uh, a lady from Harvard you know, she's got PhD and a DHD and a XYZ or whatever, all these letters behind her name. And, and her professional educational opinion is they need to do away with uh, homeschooling because it says, she says that it, um, uh, there's a danger that they would be indoctrinated by the parents. Anyway, since the church is not teaching its members to resist, they have no idea how to... The, the church has not dealt with these before. We keep thinking that the, the, the main thing is the souls of people when the government systems are crashing and burning around our heads. We should have been paying attention to those. Now, um, I'm reminded of a scripture, and I wanted to make this statement. I'm reminded of a scripture from Jeremiah 12.5. It says, If you've run with infantrymen and they have tired you out, how can you compete with horses? If you fall in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of Jordan? The idea, the, the, the implication here is, uh, if we can't deal with some of the more simple things, how are we going to deal with the government crashing and burning around us with some of these laws that they're passing? How can we do that? Well, stick with us. We're going we're gonna to dig into that. Don't be too critical of the church in Germany because we're going to have to look at some of these things now. Uh, what would we have done in the faces of such abuse as Hitler forced on the church? Well, what are we going to do with these mandates? Um, Mario Murillo did a great blog, uh, one, on, uh, on if you voted for Biden, you need to repent because there's the, you know, what about the president government supports Christianity as you know it? Find out where that link is and, and then let us know because I can't find one. Number two, um, 
these mandates, the forcing of people to take things that, that are against not only their religion, but their bodies. People, what, what about that? Where do we draw the line? What's going to happen in a church if in your church you've got 25 people involved in the company and they just they, they fire them with no employment benefits, nothing. They get nothing because they won't take uh, the COVID vaccination. What's the church going to do to support them? They can't get any uh, help from the government. You can't get the unemployment. When is that going to happen? What are we going to do to help them? These are the questions we have to face. Hitler responded to opposition to the church the way all dictators do. Now get this. The way all dictators do, he created a bevy of new laws and then accused pastors and churches of breaking them. In, in, in Hitler's case, that was the um, uh, abuse of pulpit is what he accused Niemöller of and ended up throwing him in jail and in, in, in prison. Same with Bonhoeffer. Um, you see any new laws being created that the church has crossed lines? You remember... Um, a little pastor in a little-known church in, in California, John MacArthur and Grace Community Church, uh, he stood up and told them, we're not, ta- we're not stopping singing and we're not wearing masks and we're not social distancing. We're coming into church and we're worshiping God. The state tried to shut them down and what's, what integrity is left in the law stood up and, they had to, and the state had to end up paying him and several other, I think Cheon and other pastors, money because they stood up to the state. Uh, Martin Niemöller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer garnered opposition to Hitler's intrusion into the church. Uh, that's one of the things they got in trouble with because they fought him. They fought Hitler's intrusion. Um, you can't be too critical of the church because we don't know what we would do in the same situation they found themselves. Niemöller, as I was telling you earlier, confronted Hitler with these words. You said that I will take care of the German people. But we too as Christians and churchmen have a responsibility towards the German people and that responsibility was entrusted to us by God, and neither you nor anyone in the world has the power to take it from us. Talk about a sharp stick in Hitler's eye, and he didn't take that well at all. But Niemöller had enough courage to stand up and say it. These are the kind of things we're going to be forced to do, and do we have the courage and the faith to do it? Hitler didn't respond and turned around. Next night, eight Gestapo men ransacked the church looking for material, incriminating material, a few days later, a bomb exploded in the hall of the church. You think that's coincidence? Uh, can you see, uh, close your eyes, can you see Minneapolis and the entire country burning in 2020 during the summer? Uh, the summer of discontent over whatever they were upset about. They weren't upset. Of, uh, anyway, I don't want to get into that. The threats from Hitler were easier to bear than the backlash he received from his fellow pastors. The pastors believed appeasement was the right answer. Well, let's ask Chamberlain how that worked out. Appeasement never works out. You give The camel gets his nose under your tent pretty soon. The whole camel's in the tent. Niemöller was in prison for what today is called hate speech. In his situation, it was called abuse of pulpit. So what are your pastors going to do when they're told that they can't preach against homosexuality? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when they said that you know, protesting against abortion is hate speech? What are you going to do? Uh, Hitler said the best way to conquer your enemies was to divide them. His policies were designed to force believers to abandon the church. In 1938, German pastors were mandated to swear personal allegiance to Hitler. 
Most pastors made the decision to meekly comply with the mandates. The 800 that did not were arrested and imprisoned. I want to read that sentence to you again because it sounds like it just came out of the news today. Let's change it around a little bit. In, In 2021, the president mandated that people must take a, a vaccination that is not proven, that is done well, there's evidence is overwhelming that it doesn't work, and that there's good religious objections to it. Most people decided to do it. Those that didn't, they're trying to destroy their lives. I hate to admit it, but that's what, we, that's what we're looking at. Martin Borman made the statement, National Socialism and Christianity are incompatible mirroring what Hitler said when he said one God must dominate the other. Now, the people's response, I want to I read this quote from William Shire's book, The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, which is a classic in there. He said it would be, now this is the response of the people to these mandates and these things that cause these pastors problems. Now, now just listen to this. It would be misleading to give the impression that the persecution of Protestants and Catholics by the Nazi state tore the German people asunder or even greatly aroused the vast majority of them. It did not. A people who had so lightly given up their political and cultural and economic freedoms were not, except for a relatively few, going to die or even risk imprisonment to persevere to preserve the freedom of worship. Not many Germans lost much sleep over the arrest of a few thousand pastors or priests or even over the quarrel of the various Protestant sects. And even fewer paused to reflect that under the leadership of Rosenberg, Bormann, and Himmler, who were backed by Hitler, the Nazi regime intended eventually to destroy Christianity in Germany if it could and substitute the old paganism of the early Germanic gods. Fewer and fewer paused to think that those were backed by Hitler and the entire Nazi regime eventually intended to destroy Christianity in Germany. I think those words from that great book stand on its own. What's the people's response? This leads to the only possible conclusion. The majority of the people, including Christians in the Third Reich, no longer believe Christianity was worth suffering for, much less dying for. Now, back there was a, a group called ACT UP that was a, a homosexual rights group that was pushing for homosexuals to be included in the day-to-day life and normalized and so forth. Their owner, their, not owner, their leader, told in his book, and I don't have the book copy with me, but they used Mein Kampf, Hitler's book on my struggles, as a roadmap to infiltrate the United States with homosexual rights. That's the quote, and they outline how they did it from Hitler's book. So, German Christians, the, the positive Christianity, was, able, was willing to substitute Mein Kampf for the Bible. So often, even as we Christians have been willing to compromise Christ to keep our jobs and to be assured of economic security and to hide our faith, in order to graduate from our favorite university. You can see all of these things are happening now, and these are difficult questions. It's the economy, stupid. Do you remember that one? Francis Schaeffer 
said people are willing to march down the wrong path if they can only be assured of personal peace and affluence. They will march forward not asking where the path will lead. And when given a choice, most people will choose bread and sausage over the free market and individual liberties. Bread fills the stomach. Freedom does not. There was a, there was a, a picture by the Russian propaganda ministry in World War II that showed a road and it forked in the road. And one fork had sausage. One fork had freedom in it. And most people were on the sausage road. Because sausage fills your stomach, freedom does not. John 6.27 says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on Him the Father God has set His seal. And one of the things I want you to understand is that even in the worst of times in the Bible, go back to Ahab, under Ahab, the most evil king in the Old Testament, Obadiah was with him in a time of severe drought and all of the, uh, the things that they were missing... He was feeding and watering 50 prophets in a cave. So even in the worst times, God will get to His people. He will cover them. Um, We're a debtor nation now. Uh, You can see that. The the national debt is approaching $30 trillion. $30 trillion. I'm reminded what Everett Dirksen said back in the... 70s, I think. He said, what, you got a billion here, a billion there, and pretty soon you're getting into some real money. Well, we're long past that stage. Um, so, some more things for you to think of. Father, I thank You for today. And I, Lord, this is tough stuff. And I pray that people understand the, what we're going to have to face and we trust You to do it, Father. Help us as we proceed to learn more things that we need to be doing more things that are out there that have to be done and help us to turn to You to the strength to get them done. We thank You for all that You're doing for us, Father, and we do not give up, for we know that we win in the end and Jesus is Lord. Thank You. See you next time.